Coming to you from a world where the Washington Commanders are 2-0 and Tom Brady is no longer an active player in the NFL, this is the Fair Catch Podcast. David, how do you feel? Brady, if you're out there, if you're listening, the NFL, it's just not the same without you. I'm sorry about what I said about you in the past. Please come back, please. This past two weeks has been kind of rough. Uh... Both with bad losses and with bad injuries. And that'll be the topic for today's show. Uh, but before we get into it, please follow us on Instagram at the Fair Catch Pod, All lowercase, all one word. Uh, we'll be posting updates to the show. And also, you can fire in the DMs and we will answer your questions on the show at the very end. We'll actually be doing that at the end of this one. So, let's get into it. We're recording this shortly after hearing about Trayvon Diggs of the Cowboys injury. Uh, He was suffered in practice, a torn ACL, and he should be out for the rest of the year. David, do you have anything to say about how this affects the Cowboys? The thing about Trayvon Diggs is as cornerback, your main position, you know, defend the pass, right? But even though that wasn't exactly a strong suit, he still was a great player in the fact that he was able to create turnovers and efficiently at that. I think it was two years ago, he had 11 picks in one season, which that hasn't really happened since like the 70s or the 80s. So that was a monster year for him. And he was able to replicate a lot of that success last year. And I'm sure he would have this year if it weren't for that injury. It's a massive loss for the Cowboys, no doubt. Yeah, not to go too uh, in-depth on the Cowboys roster, but they did pick up a a former Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, uh, in the offseason, and that move is looking a lot smarter uh, as time goes on. So originally they wanted to have two good corners, but at least they have one older veteran who can keep the unit together. I know they also have some rookies there. So the Cowboys will be fine, in my opinion, but a real bummer for the league. We've had so many injuries happen, uh, of course, starting with Aaron Rodgers uh, last week, Monday, and now Trayvon Diggs yesterday. But, of course, there were some injuries in between, uh, namely Saquon Barkley of the Giants and Nick Chubb of the Browns. This has been a major problem with Saquon at this point. He's looked amazing when he's healthy. He's looked like the reason the Giants, you know, stay in the game most of the time. He is able to run the ball so well. He's the reason you pick a running back so high when that that's just so tantalizing, right? Just such a prospect, you know, like Saquon, like Bijan, for example. But Saquon just hasn't stay, stayed healthy for a long time. He had a high ankle sprain before, I think maybe even two. He had a torn ACL in 2020, and now this high ankle sprain. It's, it's that time where you start thinking, what are we going to do with this guy, right? If he can't stay healthy, this is like 60% of his career, maybe even 70 at this point, that he's just not going to be able to play. Do you consider him a waste of a draft pick at this point? I'm not a big proponent of the best ability is availability. I know sometimes injuries happen. It's in the nature of the game. But when you're injured this much, this easily even, and such a devastating injury, you really start to have to at least pondering the idea, what can we do better? Should we move on, even though he's so great? One of the most injured positions in the entire league is running back, unfortunately. And, of course... 
Saquon and Nick Chubb of the Browns uh, was injured this week. Chubb suffered a massive knee injury. Actually, it was a re-injury from his college days. Chubb, unlike Saquon, has been pretty consistent since he was drafted in 2018. In fact, he was my one of my favorite players to watch uh, when I rooted for Baker Mayfield on the Browns. And he has been a Hall of Fame talent. And unfortunately, it's looking like his career is now over. Um, a complete tear of MCL, ACL, and multiple other ligaments in his leg. Basically just tearing it from the inside out. It's really sad to see. And that's being reflected in how much running backs are being paid now because even the most consistent running backs Nick Chubb was the the poster boy for consistency in the league he would just always get at least 100 yards from scrimmage every game now he's gone uh there is no real powerhouse running back that doesn't consistently catch passes like a wide receiver like a Christian McCaffrey from the 49ers type uh it's it's starting to affect not just their specific careers, not Saquon's career. Of course, he um, got a, a reduced contract this offseason, but now multiple other quarterbacks as well. It's affecting their market. Yeah, like you said, this was a re-injury from the Tennessee game. What, must have been seven years ago? Something like that. Something crazy. It was a while ago. 2015. To have come back from that injury is very impressive. And now it's happened again when he's a bit more old, a bit more worn down. It's just really sad to see. He was a great player. And I can hope, I really do hope he can make a comeback. Uh, even if he doesn't look the same, at least if he's still able to play the game that he loves so much, that will be a miracle. Injuries have also been a part of the offseason talk. One of the major controversies of the offseason is what running backs should be paid in comparison to how they get injured. In fact, there was a leaked document out of the NFL Players Association that encouraged running backs to uh, exaggerate exaggerate their injuries and fake their injuries so they would be uh, they would have more leverage in a contract situation. So as long as injuries keep happening, which they will uh, keep happening, there will still be talk about how much running backs should be paid. Unfortunately, now with these new injuries, uh, Saquon should be back in a couple weeks. But again, Chubb is probably going to have to retire after this. Uh, with these injuries, the running back market has cratered. No one wants to pay a high level running back anymore because they can get the same value from cheaper draft options or young players that they can just pull out of the sixth round. So it's very unfortunate what's happening I've always liked to see players get compensated for playing at such a high level, but you're having more of a democratization of the pay scale, which is just something we're going to have to adapt to. Of course, if you are on the running back side of preventing injuries, which I'm sure everyone is, then there is one change that the NFL could make that has been brought to light with the Aaron Rodgers injury and has uh, since been... Uh, talked about as as kind of a hot topic in the league and that is the playing surface there are two types of playing surface obviously you can play on grass like most low level football uh, is played on and then in the past few decades we've had turf fields artificial turf come into play uh, and it's easier to maintain but over time it has led to more and more injuries especially non-contact injuries with players 
running out and uh, planning all their weight and the turf actually catching their foot and it uh, causing nasty, nasty leg injuries that should never have uh, occurred otherwise. Um, I don't. I do not think the Aaron Rodgers injury would have happened if that had been played on, you know, uh, a, a stadium that that is not uh, turf. Unfortunately, the Jets stadium is turf because uh, it seems like the cheap ownership, the ownership that doesn't want to put as much into their stadiums, actually are the ones that have the uh, turf fields. Now, that's not always the case, but that is what it seems to be. So apply pressure to your local NFL team uh, to get that changed because we can prevent a lot of injuries and uh, save a lot of players' livelihoods with this change of playing surface. I think it's kind of an interesting phenomenon because these injuries happen because of turf, costing these players a, a better career than they would have had which means more money, more use out of that contract for the team itself. And just investing a little bit of money into grass just seems to make sense because it reduces injuries so much. But it's the cheaper option in the short term, so they go with it. And in actuality, it's going to cause so much injury and harm down the line that it might have just been the smarter idea to just go with grass in the first place. If your top player is hurt, then you're going to have less revenue from ticket sales and that's just a fact it seems like a no-brainer for you know anyone with with the knowledge of how many people are injured (laughs) yeah exactly out of his own end zone intercepted by Shaq Barrett fighting at the goal line for a pick six that just might seal the deal for Tampa so Patrick Mahomes the undisputed number one quarterback in the league right now even though his team is one and one just received a new contract extension uh, it was a restructured deal after joe burrow got uh paid his money and became the most paid player now it's mahomes's turn again after he signed a 10-year 500 million dollar deal apparently that's not enough for him now so he's getting paid an extra 250 million dollars over the next four years. David, what? It, was that a good move for the Chiefs to make? Or will they come to regret that when they can't extend other players uh, like the the Chris Joneses or the Travis Kelseys? Well, it's going to have to come down to results from Mahomes himself in their eyes. It's a bit too early to say anything yet. But just breaking it down from a logistical perspective, I'm not sure if I would have made that move. A cap hit? It's a bit of a confusing thing is to analyze cap and all that, but a cap hit can straight up knock you out of relevance, even if you have the best quarterback on your side. So all of that money allocated to just one player, even if he is so good, you got to give less to lesser players or less to your better players. No matter what, someone's making less and they're probably not going to be happy about that because in their eyes, they're worth more, right? That's just kind of how the NFL works. But On the pros, if Mahomes didn't get that money, right, if he didn't want to and he wasn't satisfied with how the team was going, he didn't like some of the decisions they were making, even if some of that might be his own fault with all that money allocated to him, he could very easily find another team who's more than happy to pay that sum to them. That might as well just be just, like, change to them, right? Because if Mahomes requests a trade or a release so that he can get more money, 
he has that power. So at the same time, I feel like the Chiefs said, let's just play it as safe as possible. And I think that's kind of fair. This is how you keep your players happy as, as an administration and as a business with the league. First, first, you can keep your team happy with initial success when they're young. And then eventually they're going to want to get paid. And unfortunately, getting paid makes, makes winning harder. But uh, that's just how team chemistry works in professional sports. So this is just something the Chiefs are going to have to work through. There are dynasties that have worked through it, but there are many dynasties or uh, dynasties that that could have been that fell apart once their players got money hungry. So we'll see how this works once Travis Kelsey wants his because we've seen Chris Jones now get a one year deal and Mahomes get a massive extension. Trying to do something here with Christian McCaffrey. Got a bruising block from Brandon Ayuk. Got another from Ray Ray McLeod. Turned it into a touchdown. It's a 65 yard lightning strike from McCaffrey. Stealing the momentum right back. So. We're going to give our top three picks for the NFL after week two, this retrospective. We'll see how long these hold up. I don't know how long they will. We have some powerhouses not on this list because it is the top three. And it's not the top three we would have expected uh, coming into the season. I probably would have put it Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers as the top three coming into week one. I didn't know we didn't have a podcast, but... Uh, right now it is not that. So, without further ado, we can we can unveil it. Number one, we have the San Francisco 49ers. They've done nothing but obliterate their opponents that they've come across. Brock Purdy looks like he's picking up quite well from last year, and McCaffrey. I don't know. He hasn't been hurt in a few months now, and it's. It's really nice to see a, a running back actually thrive in a system. We haven't seen that in years. At number two, Tua to Hill, the best wide receiver and quarterback combo we have in the league right now. I didn't think I'd be saying this because honestly, I don't even think their run game is that great. I don't even think their pass rush is that great. It's all mediocre except for the pass attack. Tua's arm should not be able to supply this much yardage and firepower that this offense has been able to display over the past year and a half, but it just doesn't stop. The Miami Dolphins are number two heading into week three of the NFL power rankings. And now thirdly, this team would have been number two if not for the very disappointing injury to their star cornerback, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they have every piece needed to win a championship. I even think that Dak is mature enough and has gotten over his uh, turnover nature to be able to win a Super Bowl. We saw Matthew Stafford do it, uh, and he's gone. Uh, he's regressed a little bit, but you know that if you have an elite receiver, a quarterback that has elite moments and can string them together in a couple games and a fantastic defense with the hall of fame talent and pass rusher which is micah parsons you can do it so now they're number three because they lost trayvon diggs yesterday unfortunate but they are still contenders they can do it cowboys fans it's your year finally well, Evan, you're on a pretty hot streak right now. I agree 100% with your power rankings right now. Thank you. So, 
At number one, the Niners 100% agree. They look pretty unstoppable right now. The funny part is their worst position might be quarterback, and it does not even matter. They have every hole, in a sense, covered with solid to great players. You have all-pro safety, Talanoa Hufunga, back all the way up down the field. You have the linebacking core with Fred Warner holding down the middle. You've got that D-line with both Nick Bosa and now newly added through free agency, Javon Hargrave. That's crazy. That defense alone would be number one in the league. And then, of course, you have the offense. Top three tight end, George Kittle. Top three running back, Christian McCaffrey. A great wide receiver who is still in his prime in Debo Samuel. Honestly, really good special teams as well. Ray Ray McLeod is not to be slept on. An amazing O-line held by the still great, (laughs) no pun intended with held there, but still the great Trent Williams. They look unstoppable. Number two, the Dolphins. I also agree there. The O-line, if it comes back into full form sometime during the season, I'm expecting them to get that one seed pretty easily. Because right now that passing attack doesn't matter if it's to Tyreek, doesn't matter if it's to Waddle. Tua can make the throws. He is looking like he's finally found out how to get that rhythm and keep it going. And if their defense can continue to develop as well, you have Bradley Chubb out there from the Broncos. You got Jalen Phillips. You have Jalen Ramsey coming later down the line. This team is one to look out for, for sure, to take over the Niners. And then, of course, you have the Cowboys. Very unfortunate about Trayvon, but still, that was just one part of their already great team. doesn't matter about the defense for me. It doesn't matter about the wide receivers, the O-line, the running backs, because they're doing their job. In my opinion, it all comes down to Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott can hold his own, they're golden. They are going to make the Super Bowl. But it's a big if he can hold his own. But still, I don't think they should really be upset about number three on this list, especially when you consider one and two are just that good right now. One final word on the Cowboys. I watched them force Brady out of retirement and score five touchdowns on one of the best defenses in the league. So I know that the Cowboys are championship material just from that. Wilson looking for a miracle. Going to gather. Unleashes towards the end zone. It Uh is deflected in the air. And it's caught. Brandon Johnson. (laughs) And Denver's prayer is answered. And now it's time for the mailbag. We have one question this week. It's from Eisen. He asks, do you think... The Washington Commanders will beat the Buffalo Bills. Sam Howell has playmakers, Terry McLaurin, and if they stick to the Eric Bieniemy game plan, they can uh, put pressure on the Bills uh, and beat them that way or beat them on offense. So basically, they're going to rely on freaking Allen out. Thank you, Eisen, for the question. And... I hate talking about the commanders, but I think that you do have a very good point. Allen has almost fallen out of top five quarterback status because he keeps pooping his pants every other quarter. He has flashes of brilliance, but 
with a decent uh pass rush it's really tough for him to get into that rhythm unfortunately the commander's pass rush is one of the most overrated i have ever seen out of any unit out of any media uh hype train so i'm not sure i'm not sure if i buy it simply because i don't think chase young is as good as everyone thinks he is and uh eric bianami's brilliance from the chiefs uh does not translate to the washington commander's defense so for that reason I could keep them on upset watch, but I am not going to predict it. Now, David had a reaction just now. He thinks that uh, the commander's D-line is that good. So please uh, defend their honor and uh, tell me why I'm wrong. I kind of like where this Eisen guy is going with this, right? He's got a very interesting point with the offensive side of the ball. Terry McLaurin, he's he's struggled a little bit this season. I'm not going to say he's looked bad or that he's looked awful but he's definitely not his usual self but here's the thing he does better against opponents that like there's a stat in there it's like finished 500 or more right he's just better against those teams so i think it would be kind of funny if he chose this week now to pop off i think that would be uh i think that's definitely in the cards but back on the defense like you wanted me to talk about the d-line i'm not just focusing on chase young who had a great bounce-back game last week. It's also going to come down to Deron Payne, and I believe his name is Montez Sweat, mm-hmm. right? Those players are amazing. I get him and, like, Josh Sweat confused sometimes. But those two on that inner D-line are fantastic players. Because you got to remember, this year, their first pick of the draft, the Bills selected Osiris Torrance, which is an inner O-lineman from Florida, because that was one of their weakest spots in their entire team, was that inner inner offensive line. So unless that rookie can hold his own against those two really good players, I think they might have a bit of a field day with Josh Allen. And then it might come down to corner Emmanuel Forbes. Washington selected him with their first pick to stop Josh Allen when he gets pressured, to take advantage of those throws that are a bit more unconfident due to that pressure. I think that defense can actually shine really well, but only time will tell, I suppose. Bills are not to be trifled with, despite that embarrassing Monday night loss uh, two weeks back. The Commanders are, in every sense, overachieving right now for what they have. Uh, They have a second-round quarterback who really objectively is not all that talented. He's honestly just, uh, he's honestly just a bigger version of Baker Mayfield in a in in a few senses. So it's it's really um, a shocker that they are leading the league in wins right now, uh, tied with a few other teams, two and zero. And the Bills are one and one, but you shouldn't let the momentum uh, take you away from the fact that the Bills just have an over, overly talented roster for being a one and one team. And I think that the Commanders are going to have a game where they slip up and are going to fall back to where they came from, which is a mid. Uh, to bottom dweller franchise maybe that's just my hate of the 
uh, of the commanders shining through, but I don't think that they are a winning football team, even if they do have talent. Uh, yeah, it's a bit more of a, a hopeful kind of wishful thinking mindset that the commanders will win. But at the same time, I've never been the biggest fan of the Bills either. So I'm not exactly going to say that I, I think the Bills will win because my heart in me says I don't want that to happen. So thus, it's not going to happen. You guys at home, feel free to try this trick. Just say the team I want to win will win. And that chance goes up drastically. I promise you that. I tell myself I want the Bucks to win, and the Bucks are two and zero right now. So, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll keep that strategy. I'll keep that strategy going. So that is more foolproof than mine so far. <laughs> that that's fair. That's fair. I'll find that's out fair. someday. So that was the upset preview for this week. Uh, if you want to give your own takes about upsets or anything else, please fire in the DMs at the Fair Catch on Instagram, the Fair Catch Pod, excuse me, on Instagram, all lowercase, and we will answer your question. How slinging it to the end zone? Was it caught? Yes, McLaurin touchdown. An amazing catch by one of the stud wide receivers in the sport. One final word before we close off this podcast. This third week in the NFL is one of the most uh, important sets. sets a, it's a momentum setter for the rest of the season up until whenever your team's bye week is. So I always like to think of week three as a checkpoint that your team has to cross. So whenever your team's playing, just take into account how much progress that they've made and just gauge that way because we can't go over every team every week. So that's just a guiding principle that I use uh, when evaluating early season ball. Other than that, though, that's it for the fair catch. Don't get too emotionally attached to your football team. Like Evan just said, it's still too early in the season to say anything too strongly or with such confidence. But beyond that, I mean, you got to follow us on Instagram. That's at right. The Fair Catch Pod, all one word. Shoot us a DM if you want a question, your burning question, your hot takes. Just, you got to send them our way. I will respond. And. Who knows? Maybe if your opinion is that interesting, you might get a, a special shout out like our friend Eisen did. And last but certainly not least, you got to follow us on Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes. That's right. Please drop a five star because we are definitely a five star podcast at this point. We are. Yeah, uh, that's it for us. Have a great weekend, y'all, and we will see you in the next one. See ya.